Can't stop, won't stop. We are back. And I just got back from Atlanta, Georgia. Invest Fest, what a great event. Shouts to Rashad, shouts to Troy. Earn your leisure. Thank you for having me. Just a fantastic event. And while I was out in Atlanta, recorded an episode of Combo's Court with Aaron Washington of No Trade Clause. Shouts to Aaron. Always great recording this podcast live and in person. On today's show, we discuss, does Magic and Steph Curry actually play the same position? We revisit the LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards conversation and discuss some young players who may take a leap this season and much more. Just a fantastic conversation with Aaron. Go subscribe to No Trade Clause wherever you listen to podcasts. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. different huh it is. this time a little it bit is. different live in person man yeah it's uh no no lagging video none of that stuff when it's like this no tech issues man <laughs> we're rolling we're rolling i love it you know on the podcast we did no trade clause go subscribe of course catch aaron on there sure. um you told me that you've been podcasting before no trade clause that's correct what was that journey like for you like what was the name of the show and how was that looking back then yeah, man. So I started uh, podcasting back in 2017. So hard to believe it's been about six years now since I got in the podcast game. Uh, the podcast was called Business Casual Basketball. Interesting. So I started it myself. I did some brainstorming with some friends. I threw around some ideas, put it on my IG story, asked for some opinions, and people were down with it, man. So I rolled with uh, Business Casual. Uh, the focus was uh, to put a little bit of a business spin on it, uh, talk about the CBA, talk about the salary cap, but um, also have that casual aspect as well. So talk about the overarching topics of the league so you know talk about oh the mvp debate and uh, the all-star selections and things that you know more general topics everybody would talk about on their on their sports pods if that makes sense so trends of the game would you say trends of the game uh the big news stories so you know if there's a big trade that goes down if there's uh, a big event coming up all-star game uh we're getting to the end of season of awards um things like that that you know, most people want to hear on a podcast that are more general. You wouldn't have to be a hardcore fan to understand. So I wanted to strike a balance between business and casual. That's where the name came from. So is the focus always more business or do you like to talk about on court when it comes to the actual game? Because that's what I love talking about. But yeah. it's great to have a mix. Like you on the business side, me more the game game. But right. do you mix it up yourself? I did mix it up. Uh, it would depend on what's going on. You know, if there's a big trade, I would kind of lean more towards the right. CBA salary cap. Uh, talk about how much salary was incoming, outgoing, uh, what players were involved in the specifics around signing players, exceptions, things like that. So I tried to strike a balance. It really depended on what was going on at the time in the NBA, but I wanted to give uh, something for everybody to really grab onto, listen to, and really enjoy. So really found that balance with it, man. I started it, uh, ran it for about four years. So right into about 2021. Uh, it's crazy because uh, I was looking for a way to kind of get my foot in the door in the NBA. So I got involved with a program called Sports Business Classroom, and it's ran out of Las Vegas usually. Right. Uh, but when I got involved with it, man, it was out in um, – it was COVID year. So it wasn't right. being held in Vegas. It was shut down. 
So they held it virtually online, and it was only 600 bucks to sign up. So I was like, why not learn from the best in the game, learn about salary caps, scouting, media, the whole nine. So I got involved, and they took notice of my podcast, saw that I've been doing it for a while. I displayed a lot of initiative and consistency with that. So they brought me on um, for an internship to start up a website, and that's how No Trade Calls was born. It was born in 2021, beginning of the year. Six months later, we started a podcast, and you know the rest is history. Just linked up with a few guys, started recording. Uh, we have a lot of different uh, specialties that we hit. We have right. a cap guy. We have some scouts. We have some guys that are really into the scouting game, the draft game. And I try to strike a balance, and we all kind of form a nice little squad, man. So we're, we're having fun with it. So, Aaron, you know, I'm out here for InvestFest, and many people ask me how has podcasting changed my life? And for me, is I feel like it changed me as a communicator, not only with the podcast, but outside the podcast. And you've been podcasting for a long time. Do you feel that is the case for you as well? Absolutely, man. Uh, just getting a part of being a part of that community, part of that uh, movement with podcasting and the skills it involves, just being a good communicator. I feel like over time, it's really helped me hone my skills in that regard. Uh, like you said, not just in the podcasting game or in the media game, but just in life in general, just when I speak, just the way I speak and the way I go about trying to communicate what I'm trying to say. It's all, I feel like it's been improved. It's been refined over time. It's trial and error, man. I mean, you, you, you start off at a certain level. Of course, you have things to learn, but over time, you speak with different people. You're in different environments. You know, you're on video. Uh, we're doing it like over Zoom or something, and then you're yeah. in person like we are right now. So it, it helps, helps you, you maneuver through life too, right? Being a better communicator. It does. Yeah. No, hundred percent, man. So a lot of, in a lot of different ways in life, not just communication. I mean, just with the way my career has gone as well, just helping me find another passion, uh, another avenue that I want to pursue in life, that I want to be um, this go all in towards. It's just it's changed everything for me, man. Yeah, you're at summer league every year, and it's interesting. You get to see the development of these players, but you know. When it comes to that draft with Anthony Edwards at LaBella Bowl, we didn't have Summer League. Right, so it was kind of right. interesting. And the debate was, I don't know if people remember this, but and I don't know if people talked about it that much, Like, but some people thought LaBella Bowl would be the best player from that draft. Mm -hmm. I was telling everybody that Anthony Edwards would be. Um, I always thought he had the highest ceiling. I thought like if you just put him in NBA space, like his game will just thrive. I mean, yeah. LaBella's great as well. Sure. But another thing is like, when we were talking about that draft, yes, people said that Anthony Edwards was athletic, but they didn't really talk about how athletic he really was. Like I thought he's, I think he's like a generational athlete. Absolutely. And now everybody talks about the athleticism, but not as many people are talking about the skill set, right? right? He's like a three-level scorer, could score with either hand. Big time. Where did you land on that conversation back then, and has it changed throughout the course of the years? Yeah, man. I mean, back in 2020, I was kind of on the fence. Like, I saw a case for both players. I probably leaned more towards Edwards just because of the tools that you mentioned that you can't teach. Those uh, athletic traits that he displayed at, at playing in Georgia. And, uh, you know, got to give a shout-out to Ant-Man because we're recording in Atlanta right now, and he's from yeah, this area. So, you know, down here, we love to see him pro uh, just, just do his thing, man, and just be a great player. But, you know, when it comes to the debate, I mean, it's really tough, man, because when you look at their resumes so far, they're really, really similar. Uh, Lamelo has more of like that. Um, he stuffs the stat sheet every night. He gives you the boards. He gives you the dimes. Yeah. Uh, Ant Man has been more of a scorer to this point. Uh, so I mean, there's a case for both players. But at, at the end of the day, man, if you're gonna ask me who I'd rather have on my team, if who I'd rather draft, it's Ant Man just because just what he brings to your team on both ends of the floor. We're seeing him in the World Cup right now. He's out there. You know, he's gonna pick up the best player on the opposite team. 
that's how he reminds me. Like the, the comparisons are thrown out all the time between uh, Kobe and, and and D Wade and everything. And Spo said he saw a lot of D Wade in him, but I think the defensive end was the big part of that that really let him know that he's he's on a level of a, a Dwayne Wade or a guy like that. So that that's that's where I'm leaning, man. Like yeah. so far. So it's interesting from that draft is that actually Lamella Ball is more of the archetype of player I like. That guy that makes everybody around him better. That big point guard feel for the game. And people right. were pointing at. And Edwards feel like it wasn't there, but I felt like everything he did have was so apparent and so transcending that it didn't even matter. Like I didn't want to become a victim of the archetype I liked mm-hmm. and just say like this is what I see and this guy is a three level score and a crazy athlete on top of that. Yep. And we're seeing it now. You know, another thing is though that situation means so much and Ann Edwards just seems to be in the better situation right now like he has the USA team he's on a better team as much as the Timberwolves are scrutinized and LaMelo's team is just like did you see him in summer league like that was not oh a good goodness. team even and, in summer league man they can't get a dub but they were like oh, uh, you know, I, I can't remember if they won a game honestly like it was a rough ride for them so I did feel like Anthony Edwards had the higher ceiling and now it even feels like he's in a better situation as well he is he is 100%. Like you said, I mean, the Timberwolves haven't exactly been like a, a model organization since you got drafted. Right. They've gone through a lot of turnover. They've had some conflicting decisions. And, of course, the Gobert trade is, you know, the, the jury's still out on that one. Uh, but when you look at LaMelo, man, I mean, his situation might be the worst uh, in the league. You look at the, the Hornets and where they've been since he's been drafted, even before he was drafted. I mean, over the past 20 years, all they have to show for all their work is a, a couple of first-round outs. And everywhere else, it's either very mediocre or they just been outright terrible. Last year was no exception. You know, Miles Bridges being out, uh, that team being very young, not a lot of uh, veteran presence there. He's having to do a lot himself. He's having to orchestrate the offense, get guys involved. It, it's really tough for a player like that, which is why I think it's even more impressive they've just done so well because yeah. he's been in a non-optimal situation so far. So, I mean, you got to give him props for that. Um, but in, in either case, just looking at their numbers on what they've done so far, uh, you got to give a lot of props to both these guys because they're both, um, you know, top top tier players, and they're gonna have a lot of All NBA All Star appearances. I think as they progress, All NBA, and I think Edward get into the MVP mix pretty soon. Big when time. You, I mean, when you, when you're looking at the MVP discussion. I feel like if we're going to get it back to the States, it's got to be Anthony Edwards, in my opinion. Like, yeah. Jokic is obviously going to be in the mix. Giannis, SGA is a guy from Canada. But mm-hmm. I feel like Anthony Edwards got to get that guy, got to be that guy to take it back for the States. Do you yes. think this is the year where he makes that leap towards that, or it's a little bit early? Uh, I think it's a little bit early. Uh, and winning MVP involves your team being uh, pretty much elite. If you look at the MVP winners, I mean, Giannis, Jokic, I mean, their teams are top three in, the, in their respective conferences. So when you look at where the Timberwolves are right now, I don't think they've done enough this offseason to put themselves in that conversation. But if the Timberwolves continue to build properly around Edwards and he continues to grow as a player and just be that guy that night in and night out, because that's where he needs to improve right now is consistency. But if he brings that every single night, uh, that two-way presence, that let's say a close to 30-point-per-game scoring average, it's going to be almost impossible not to give it to him at some point. Yeah, do you feel like, I mean, you mentioned the word rebuild around and do you feel the best move is to move Cat? And are you not? Are you surprised that they didn't move Cat yet? I'm not really surprised. Uh, this this project is still really in, this is year two between him and Gobert. I know, it's crazy how people, everybody wants to rush everything, right? Right, yeah, that, yeah. That's, how we, that's how our culture is today. Everything yeah. wants to, everybody wants it to be a microwaved product. But you can't rush the process. The Nuggets are a prime example. It took them several years to build what they have going right now. So it's going to take a little bit more time. Uh, can't miss a ton of games, over 50 games last season. So if you consider that, give them a little bit more time. I, I say it's too early to com- completely write them off. 
But if you were to ask me where the Timberwolves are going, can they win a championship with those Twin Towers? My answer would probably be no. But I definitely feel like they can be a decent bit better than they were last season just because I would expect them to be more bit more healthy with Cat being in the mix for hopefully more than 30 or so games. Yeah, which young teams are you looking at to make that leap? I mean, we're talking about leaps. You have the Magic, you have the Rockets, OKC. I mean, they're already good. Oh, yeah. And then you add Chet and Micic who fill kind of the gaps that you needed, right, with the yep. rim protection of Chet and maybe Micic if he gets some, you know, some decent minutes, that, that pick-and-roll player yes. that they don't really have. Because SGA, such, he's so great in isolation, but that gives him a different look as well. For sure. Um, I don't even know if you could put OKC in this conversation, but I guess it's the Magic, the Pistons, and the Rockets. Like, which team do you think will make that leap this season? Magic, another team, like, I felt bad for some of these teams' coaches because they're going to have so many tough decisions. Oh, yeah. Like, how do you balance those rotations? You have so many players. Like, I'm glad you brought up the Magic because their guard rotation is so cluttered right now. Uh, even after cutting R.J. Hampton last season, I mean, they still have Fultz. They still have Suggs. They drafted Black. He's uh, good, Cole man. Anthony. All those guys deserve, I would say, at least 20, 25 minutes a game, if not 30. So um, that's probably my pick as far as a team that's ready to make that jump. Not necessarily that's going to be a contender, but a team that's ready to break into at least the play-in tournament. I would say 35 to 40 games um, as far as the win total. Uh, I think they have just about everything you would want on the court, except for shooting is a little bit of a deficit right now. That's but, why it's interesting they drafted Black, even though I right. love Black. Yeah, it is yeah. an interesting decision. But if you look at what they have going, what they did last year, um, Franz is playing in the World Cup. Paolo Banchero playing in the World Cup. He's showing some two-way uh, dominance for Team USA. I think that growth in the World Cup is going to elevate them even more. So I, I can't wait to see what they do next season. Yeah, every great team always had that guy that they looked at as their best player. You know, yeah. with, I think when it was Kobe and Shaq, there was a little bit of a debate at times, sure. right? Yeah. 1A, 1B, they were going... Exactly, and I think the Orlando Magic could actually fit that archetype with Franz and Paolo. Sure. I know a lot of people point to Paolo probably more than Franz, but I feel like they could be that team that could really build around two players, and then there'll be debate, like, who's their top guy? Right. I can see that going on for them. Uh, I, I'd still probably take Powell as far as who's going to be the overall better player and you know who is the higher ceiling. But I mean, all over NBA Twitter and you know people talking in the offseason about their best players, like Franz is in every conversation I see about just a really solid all-around player that fits the modern game perfectly with his playmaking, yeah. ability to uh, be a secondary ball handler at six ten. Like it's crazy that these all these guys are like six eight to six ten, six eleven. Like it's wild to think that they can. Throw in so many different lineups and, and interchange so many different pieces, but just consider this, Andrew. Like the the fact that Paolo can play the five for them, and you can throw Franz out there if Jonathan Isaac is healthy. Like just imagine those lineups, like defensively. Like how do you even put up a decent amount of points against that? It's going to be insane. Yeah, Paolo could play the five, and then if he grabs a rebound, he could push himself. Yeah, like it's tough. Franz could push himself, and we know all those other guards they have. It's going to yeah. be really hard to guard in transition. They all can. They can yeah. all bring the ball up, especially if Black is out there. He's going to be able to just dime it up, find guys in their proper positions. Like, His feel for the game is off the charts. It really is. Yeah. They're so scary, man. I can't wait to see him in action. So how do you feel about Detroit? Like, I really like Asar. I'm watching a little bit of, I mean, i obviously seen him in Summer League, and that was really interesting, just yeah. seeing how athletic he is. And his feel for the game on top of that. I'm watching him a little bit in Rico Hines with Cade. You know, those yep. videos are always great. For sure. Man, Bo Tyler was fun, actually, um, in that Rico Hines run. He's, like, different. He we is. could actually get to him in a second. But with Detroit, where do you see them heading? Because I feel like Cade could quietly have a crazy season. And then you yeah. add Asar. And then you have Ivy, who's a crazy athlete. And Cade just strikes me as that winning player. And obviously, they have a new coach in Monty Williams. Right. 
I mean, they paid big money for Monty Williams, bringing him in. Obviously, they believe he's that missing piece, just that really great veteran coach that could come in and show these guys how it's done, you know, being on several winning teams over the course of his career. Uh, but diving into the young guys, I mean, Azar Thompson, I'm super impressed by him. I'm even more impressed now than when I was right. before the draft. I got an opportunity to watch him front row at Summer League. They were playing uh, the Toronto Raptors. He mm-hmm. guarded a Grady Dick for a majority of the game. And I just remember the first, I would say the first five or six possessions of the game, Azar locked him up. He had a couple yeah, of yeah. steals. He had a block. He had several deflections. I mean, this is within like five minutes. Immediately, you just see like the defensive capabilities of this guy. And if he puts the shot with that, like he's going to be, and he's going to be a beast of a two-way player. Yeah. With OTE, it was a little bit hard to evaluate like what these yeah, guys could be. And I feel like, hey, men's like his, his twitchy athleticism. He didn't get to play a lot in summer league, but oh, bro, he's, he he's a different kind of athlete. And yeah. Asar is a crazy athlete himself. And you just see all the stuff you can't see in the highlights, right? In sure. summer league, like the feel for the game, the finishing, um, the defense, as you yeah. said. And I think these brothers are going to be really special. I do feel like Asar is probably in a better situation than a men though. Uh, I kind of look at them about the same. Like they finished very closely in the standings last season. They're both really young. I would say uh, the Rockets. Well, they do have be, Fred, and yeah. one team has Fred, and the other team has Cade initiating a lot of the right. offense. But Amen is more of an initiator himself. Sure, sure. And I think Amen's going to have a hard, a tougher time to minutes because you look at all the guards yes. that they have. Yes. It's going to be crazy for him to be able to get out there and show what he can do. So year one may not be the greatest showcase for him, but as he continues to get more minutes and uh, he starts to overtake some of those veterans that are ahead of him. He's gonna be he's gonna be insane. I mean, those are two other guys I watched. You know, they they played here in Atlanta last season. I watched them in January, and it, it, it's like when you're playing uh, NBA 2K and you're playing on rookie, and you're just you, you could just make every shot and you can just dunk every time you go down the court. It seemed like that's that was the case when they were playing. Like they're just cheat codes out there playing against JV. They're on varsity, or whatever. Like it was so unfair, man. Like they're crazy. And so, what were you thinking about back then, and how has that changed after watching them in summer league? I would say that uh, Amin, my, my thoughts on him haven't really changed all that much. I always saw him as a, a top five guy going into the draft. Mm-hmm. Azar, I was a little bit lower, I would say, back in the top ten. It's interesting because he was a better shooter. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, but Amin, when I was looking at his opportunity to like lead an offense and be that primary ball handler, uh, his court vision really stood out to me. They both have great vision, but that's what put him over the top for me. But honestly, now, looking at where they were drafted, it makes sense. They have... Some of the same skills, but with Azar being a, a, a pretty good shooter at this point, or at least a better shooter, I mean, I, I, I look at them both in a very uh, bright light as far as just like what they can do for their respective teams. So I can't wait to see them play each other and see how they kind of have that collaboration and that rivalry going. I think they both have incredible features out of them. Best chance to win Rookie of the Year. I would say that, you know, if it's not Wemby, I think that's like the easy pick. I sure. think it could be yeah. Chet. Mm-hmm. And I think a sleeper is actually Cam Whitmore, same team as a man. I like that. I like that. The only problem with that for me is just the minutes. Like, they have so many fair. great players on that team. Dylan Brooks is going to command a lot of minutes. Tari Eason is going to get a lot of time. If it wasn't for that, I would love that Cam Whitmore pick because he looked insane in Summer League. He looked so good. On both sides, too. Like, he was showing yeah. some twitchy stuff on defense. Like, that athleticism yeah. is different on both sides of the floor. It's insane. Yeah. He looked He looked straight up just like he... 
He was salty about being drafted 20th. That's what it looked like. To and me. he made the people he was playing against look like JV players. Really, like, at times. Really like, I'm just bigger, yeah. stronger, more athletic, and I'll take my yeah. time. Like, I mean, the decision-making has to get a little bit better. And mm-hmm. sometimes he's a ball stopper. Yeah. But he was really impressive in summer league. And that shot was a lot better than I expected. Yes. Like, coming into the draft, people looked at him as a mediocre to subpar shooter. I mean, he was out here pulling up all these shots off the dribble. He looked really comfortable. He was letting right. it fly. He would throw up. I did a podcast about him with a couple of the guys from NTC not too long ago, and I looked up his um, per-game numbers as far as threes, and I think he was around seven threes per game. He was up there with um, you know some of the three-point specialists as far as three-pointers per in, game. In Villanova? Um, at Summer League. Summer League, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he was just letting it fly, and they were going That's in. That's great. They yeah. were going in, man. So. Yeah, I think in the analytic era, even though people don't like it, it's important to let it fly. It is. Like, you can't start record going. scratching. Right. And I think even if you're not shooting a great efficiency right in Summer League, like, just the ability to make it fly, it, it, like, to let it fly is harder than people think. Like, just getting your shot off effortlessly, either yeah. if it's catch and shoot or off the dribble. Right. No, it really is. You have to kind of figure out what suits you best. Some players can do both. Some are specialists. But when it comes to Cam, it looks like he's going to be a guy that can do both. He showed an ability to do both. And like I said, that off, that off the dribble uh, three-point game really surprised me. I didn't see that coming in. So the fact that he was able to do that so comfortably uh, without hesitating and uh, just being pretty accurate from there, it really gives me a lot of hope as far as what he can do from all areas of the court. Yeah, we're talking about younger players here, but are there any players you're looking at to really take a leap this season? Uh, the first guy that comes to mind for me as far as young players is uh, uh, Jaden McDaniels for, for Minnesota. We just talked about Minnesota, man, and what they have going there. And I think uh, I have them being a little bit of a better team this season, not just because of the health, but McDaniels, like, he's an all-defensive type guy. Being next to Gobert, it's a perfect fit. And he's trying to expand his offensive game a little bit, too, with the jumper, the mid-range, the three, off the dribble game. Putting that all together for him is the next step. And I think he's capable. He showed a little bit of it last year, but I think this year is going to be his coming out party and really going to be in contention for maybe most improved. Yeah, that is interesting. Who I'm really looking at is um, Bones Highland. Okay, and I, I like feel him. like if he gets some more opportunity, which he can on that team, like that that team kind of needs to fill the point guard role. They're yeah. one of those teams that we talked about like mixing tendencies and skill sets. Like With those two wing players they have, hopefully they stay healthy because right. they're two of the best players in the league when they are. Mm-hmm. You kind of need that point guard type player. Yeah. And when I look at Bones Highland, even though he is somewhat of the 6'2 bucket-getting archetype, I think that he's a little bit different than that type of player because of the point guard ability he has mm-hmm. and the flair he plays with. A lot I think of flair. I think that's what separates him from like the uh, him and other like 6'2, 6'3 bucket getters and I feel like if he has if he gets the right opportunity, there is some all-star potential there. There is a lot of potential. And like you said, I mean, he plays with a lot of flair. He's uh, a guy that loves to be on the highlights. He he has like box crazy office, right? box office yeah, yeah. for sure player and saucy layups. Yeah, uh, yeah, just yeah, loving yeah. to cross guys over and just just be a really fun guy on the court. He has a lot of fun playing basketball. You can you can see it off the rip just watching him play. So he's I, I love watching him play, man. He's he's really exciting. Yeah, you know, the purists might not think that that's that important, but in the era we live in, like having stuff to your game that has vi- that could go viral. Yeah. It helps your brand, it helps it the does. team, it helps everybody. And if you could be effective and do that at the same time, I think mm-hmm. sky's the limit for players like that. And mm-hmm. I can really see him taking a leap. Okay, I wanted to shift. I mean, we're talking about point guards a little bit. I wanted to shift to this conversation with, with uh, Steph Curry and Magic Johnson. Oh, boy. <laughs> because it's like, are we comparing players or are we comparing the position of players? Because to me, Steph and Magic Johnson do not play the same position. Yeah, they definitely have 
I, I guess if you look at it from like what the stat sheet will tell you, like what ba- uh, basketball reference will tell you, it'll say point guard, but they don't play the game the same way. It's definitely different in terms of like like it's way different. It's not like Jason Kidd and Gary Payton, which play they play different, but yeah. they're playing the same position. Right. When we're talking Magic Johnson and Steph Curry, they play totally different. Like if they you do. don't know much about basketball and you watch them two play, you'd be like, these two do not play the same at all. Even if right. you don't know nothing about basketball. No, exactly. Because Magic Johnson was probably one of the purest, pure like just initiators of the offense that we've ever had. Uh, he averaged double digit assists for his career uh, almost every season. I mean, he was at least 10, 11, 12. Uh, Curry's not going to give you that. His, his career average for assists is uh, you know between five and six, so a little bit different. But his scoring average is it just blows Magic out of the way. Magic was only at about 19. And he, he didn't even hit 20 for his career, as were Curry's at about 24. And that's factoring in those first three or so seasons where he wasn't the same player he is now. But, I mean, last season, I mean, he was in the, I believe he was a little bit over 30. So when you look at his bucket-getting ability, his ability to stretch the floor, Magic wasn't a shooter, they're kind of like a little bit of like opposite players when you look at the way that they impacted the offense. So there, there are a lot of differences there. But, I mean, they're both great in their own right and in their own eras. You know? Yeah, I feel like when I say Steph Curry's not a point guard, people look at that as that I'm – that I'm critical to him. Like, I'm not. He just doesn't yeah, play like a it's, point guard. It's just it's the like, truth. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like he does not play like a point guard. And people that really riles people up. Like, yeah, if you say, like, he is not this. But it's just totally different to me. And in your opinion, who do you feel is the greatest point guard ever? You know, I went back and forth over this. And by man, the way, like... I do think, like, Steph is probably the better player at this point because of impact and everything else and the way yeah. he changed the game. Yeah, I mean, if we look at it in their own respective careers, because I think it's unfair to kind of cross shop these guys in regards to, you know, the because the game is totally different between the 80s, 90s, and, and today. But here's the thing, though. The, a big reason the game is different is because of Steph. Sure, yeah. No, so he he's playing in the game he created. Right. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. But, I mean, as far as the better player, I mean, it's, it's so tough to say. At, at first, I wanted to say Magic, but the more I thought about it— I, it's kind of crazy. Like, just think about the fact that Curry is, uh, he has 14 years of experience. Magic only played 13 years. So Curry has already had a longer That's career. Crazy, right? Uh, his accolades are about the same level, except for the championships. He has one less championship. But, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, you look at, I think Magic has more MVPs. But when you look at all NBA appearances, all star appearances, the numbers, the longevity, uh, it's starting to favor Curry in a lot of different ways. I mean, all time, three point. Uh, um, leader um, in terms of total three-pointers, there's a lot going Steph's way now. So when you look at it from that perspective, I mean, there's a lot going Curry's way. But if somebody comes to me and say, I still have magic, I, I wouldn't debate them just because, I mean, this guy has the finals MVPs. He has the regular season MVPs. So, I mean, I kind of feel like it's a coin flip in a lot of ways, kind of like almost like MJ and, 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 uh, and LeBron as well, just as far as like who you want to pick. It's like, it's like, uh, it is close. It's such a fine line. It is very it really close. Is. And then when you, uh, if you name one, everybody will go at you about the other one. Oh, right? for sure. Like, you're not for being sure. critical of the other one. Like, just no. this guy it's, is so great. Yeah. You mentioned LeBron. I mean, I think he's more of a point guard than Steph in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, I agree. And you look at, uh, if you go on Basketball Reference and look at their positional breakdowns every year, there's actually a season, I want to say it was 1920. He It's listed as point guard. LeBron was point guard because that's before... They got D'Angelo Russell. That's before they had, you know, Gabe Vincent, all these guys. So LeBron was initiating a lot of the offense, and he was playing on ball a, a crazy amount yeah. that season. 
So yeah. his versatility is, is crazy when you really think about it. Yeah. When I was on your podcast, shifting gears a little bit, you were asking me about the great players from New York City. And I know you have this conversation with others that come on your platform. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'm biased, but I think the best hoopers come from New York City. It's valid, man. And it's valid. I hear people debating like Cali versus New York City, but Cali's a whole state. Yeah. That's so true. it's like that's true. from one small place. I know we have like 12, 12 million people and that changes a little right, bit. I mean, yeah. that helps. That helps as well. But yep. I think the greatest players come from New York City. I would say like the sleeper pick would be D.C. Mm. because I feel mm. like, you know, ob the obvious is like Duran and Mello sure. and other guys. Yeah. But I feel like their pros are really good in general. Like even the guys that are fringe NBA guys and overseas guys, like those guys are really good just getting the opportunity to go down there and work out. They have just so many like really solid hoopers. Mm -hmm. I still got to give it to New York though. That's I fair. mean, That's Ca fair. Ca Cali and L.A. is up there. I, I have New York over L.A. But, you know, just talking to people and doing your research over the years, because I know this is an interest for you. Yeah. Where do you feel like the best hoopers come from? You know what? I'm going to agree with you, man. Like, you talked about New York, and uh, we talked about those players when you were on my pod. We talked about Kareem. We talked about MJ and Dr. J. Like, when you have those greats coming and from And Dr. J is not from the city, to be fair, but he's yeah, great. Technically not. Yeah, yeah, he's great, though. <laughs> we'll, we'll give him credit. Yeah, we'll it's, give it's close enough. He's yeah, like, we'll take Bello and Jordan, too. I oh, told you sure. that because yeah. they're bored. <laughs> yep. no, take all those guys, man. Like, when you throw in, like, all those players to the mix, like, yeah. it's it just you, – you can't pick any other city just because they have literally probably two of the best five players to ever play basketball. But like you said, Cali has plenty of guys as well. DC has plenty of guys. And I, my sleeper, um, talking with um, Jamal McCoy, who was um, – he played overseas for several years, and he's from Indiana. He, um, he – there's a lot of guys from Indiana, like Larry Bird, uh, you know, playing Indiana, Zach Randolph. Current players like uh, Jaden Ivey are from there, Darius Garland. So when you yeah. look at their – Darius' father, right? Yeah, Darius' yeah, – yeah, yeah, yep. So all those guys are from there. Like, I wouldn't put it, like, beyond L.A. or New York. But, man, there's a lot of great hoopers. Like, Indiana is just a sports – and specifically a basketball type city, man. Like, that's what they do. They just breed ballers, man. So, I mean, like, I got to put them in the mix as well. So, yeah, it's interesting. Like, we could talk about the top guys. Like, it's Kareem in New York City. It's, you know, I mean, Durant's not D.C., but we'll call it DMV area. We'll give sure. it that. Yeah. But I do feel like depth is important as well. It is. And to me, like, D.C. has a lot of depth. They do. Obviously, L.A. has a lot of depth as well. And New York has a lot of depth. Like, even, I think you have to take into accountability all the pros that are maybe, like, Legends in their own town and maybe fringe NBA guys or overseas guys. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, has a lot to do with it instead of just looking at, like, the all-time greats. That's fair. you got to look at the the entire body of players that have come out of the city. Uh, but still, I mean, if we're looking at New York, I think they still went out. Because, yeah, I think you know, so. We listed some guys that aren't in the complete And like, I don't even want to list them because we're going to miss somebody. You know, of course. It's so crazy. It, it feels, it's, like, disrespectful to, yeah, like, leave out somebody like Melo or whatever out whatever. of that mix. So right. I get that. <laughs> So um, Atlanta, we're here. Who are the where, who are the best hoopers from Atlanta? Man, there's there's so many, dude. Like we just talked about Anthony Edwards, you know, being from this area. Of course, Jalen Brown. I call him Mr. Marietta. You know, he's from the Marietta area, which so, is you where know what's I live. Crazy? Right they're now. similar athletes. They are. Yeah, yeah they yeah. are. When they athletic yeah. ability and their shaky jump shots coming into the league. Like, <laughs> I kind of like I kind of like the way Anthony gets his off better than um, Jalen. Right. That's yeah. It feels like it's more effortless. It's kind of like what I was talking about before. Like, he could just get yeah. his shot off whenever he wants. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that for sure. Uh, but another player, he's actually uh, going into his rookie season. We can't forget about Scoot Henderson. Oh yeah. Scoot Henderson is also from Marietta, 
And I mean, that's that's where I currently reside is up in Marietta, man. So I mean, you got Jalen Brown Marietta. and, and uh, Scoot from that same area. Atlanta's not they're in the mix as well. If we're talking about cities to have a lot of great hoopers to come out of it, you got to put Atlanta, Georgia in that mix, man. And then if players. you if you want to go rapper hoopers, then they, they then oh they yeah. really go. And then you're just yeah. another stratosphere. Yeah, nah, for real. So, what did you like about Scoot in summer league? I would say like I was with consensus with Scoot. I wasn't higher than everybody else. I wasn't lower. Mm-hmm. But after watching him play like one or two games in summer league, man, just the mentality he has. Like everybody yeah. talked about the athleticism, the playmaking, the finishing. Even though you know some people look at the efficiency on the on the finishing and it wasn't great. But I mean, with that athleticism and the way he could like kind of maneuver through the lane with his euros and the way he gets in the lane is amazing. Mm -hmm. But just the mentality on both sides of the floor, like how much he cares about basketball, that's Mm -hmm. really stuck out to me. And I think I'm actually higher on consensus now, actually watching him play in summer league. I feel the same way. Just think about his mentality. That's something that I really look for in players now, as opposed to not as much back in the day when I first started watching hoops, but mentality of, of Scoop, mentality of Giannis, the mentality of Ant Edwards. I think those that's kind of that's kind of this. It can swing their careers. Uh, I'm not in the I'm not in the business of throwing a lot of shade, but like Ben Simmons, for example, I I, I don't. You don't see, have to throw shade yeah. to talk about Ben Simmons. <laughs> hey man, I just like, I just speak the truth. I speak the truth wherever I can. But I just use him as an example of a guy. I don't see that same drive. I don't see that 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 killer instinct, so to speak, out of him. But Throwing it back to those other players, I think they, they really do have that. Scoot has that in spades. I watched a documentary about Scoot and a bunch of other guys that play in the G League. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was it's on um, Amazon um, Prime Video. I highly recommend you and anybody that's watching this to check it out. But talking about Scoot and him spending two years in the G League and spending time with a lot of vets and the way they talked about him with his commitment to the game, working hard and everything, that's a part of his mentality that I think is going to take him even higher than Brandon Miller that he was uh, drafted behind. I like Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller I, I do too, man. I, I, I want to give him a lot of props as well. But his mentality is something that you don't find a lot of players. Just the drive, the, the determination to be great. I think it's going to set him apart from a lot of his peers. You combine that with his athletic gifts, uh, his ability to be a playmaker, I think he's going to have a phenomenal career. And the jump shot isn't bad either. Like He had some signs of a pretty steady jump shot. It's not broken. It's not going to prevent him from making any kind of noise outside the paint. He has a lot going for him, man, and I want to give him a lot of props because, you know, it takes a lot of determination to to play in the G League Ignite, playing against probably some of the top competition that you're going to find outside of actually being in the NBA. So that shows me he's taking on a stiff challenge. He did it for two years, not just one, and he really thrived in that environment. So that tells me that he's ready to take the next step. He's ready to uh, be up there with the big boys in the NBA and dude, he's shredded, man. Like he looks like a freaking fullback, you know, playing football or something. Like he has the body of a guy that's gonna do some damage. So put all that together and I, I think he's gonna be sensational. I have nothing but great things to say about him for what I've seen so far. Shifting gears slightly. Does the Denver Nuggets have a great chance to repeat? And the second part of that question is um do the Lakers have a chance anymore? Because I, I feel like that all falls down to AD. I know this is like a it two-part does. question, kind of random, but it's like LeBron's going to be LeBron to some degree. Maybe there'll be a slight fall-off, but it really just comes down to like what AD is doing, right? So how do you feel about those two teams? Because I think those two are the more two of the more interesting teams, even though we say the Lakers are interesting every year. Mm-hmm. So does Denver have a chance to repeat, and do you think Lakers are still in the mix? 
I, I definitely think the that Denver has a chance to repeat because they're they're bringing back not everybody. They lost Bruce Brown obviously to Indiana, and props to him for getting the bag. I mean, twenty plus million a year is nothing to sneeze at. But as long as you have Jokic, you have Murray, you have MPJ, that core is still intact. They have a chance. Yeah, they just have to rework some things around the margins when it comes to their bench rotation. Just looking at those secondary contributors that are going to be on that team, it comes down to what they can bring. Because you don't win a championship with just your best players uh, putting on a show. You have to have contributions uh, 1 through 12. You have to have those unsung heroes uh, to, to make a lot of noise. Uh, so when you look at the guys they drafted, they went, for, uh, they went for age and experience over youth, which tells me they're really looking to keep the train moving, uh, make a lot of noise in that regard. So when you look at all those guys, uh, I think they have a great chance. A great coach, Mike Malone, one of the best coaches of the game right now. Um, still have a great uh, home crowd, a great home court advantage in Denver. So all that is working in their favor. I would definitely say that I'd probably still pick them to be the favorite in the West just because it's kind of open right now. Uh, and then about the Lakers, I mean, I, I agree with you, man. It comes down to AD. What, how healthy is he going to be? Is he going to be that guy that can give them at least 65 games? But even when he's healthy, how consistent is he going to be? Yes. Yeah, Let's even like take the health out of it. Right. Like, are you engaged? I think we saw that a lot last season when yeah. he had that stretch in the regular season where, I mean, he was putting up 30 and he played 15, well in the playoffs. 28 and, and 16. He like, played well. He just ran into Jokic. He did. He ran into Jokic, <laughs> man. I mean, like, you can't really fault anybody for running to the buzzsaw like that. Yeah. But his two-way ability and But, I mean, with the expectations of AD, I mean, it's a fair conversation because when back when he was with New Orleans, people were looking at him like he could be the best player in the NBA at yeah. some point. Yeah. So, it's fair. It's not like – it shouldn't just be like, oh, you ran into Jokic. Like, mm -hmm. you're going to have to be – Level with Jokic if you want to win. For sure. He's going to have to carry the mantle. I mean, LeBron's only getting older, so yeah. the load on him is going to get greater and greater. And uh, we'll see if his body can hold up. But if it can, I, I think he has uh, the opportunity to bring them to another um, deep playoff run, conference finals appearance. And then from there, we're just going to have to see how everybody else responds. Yeah. All right, last thing before we get out of here. I mean, you've been in the podcast game so long. How has the evolution of podcasting been for you in terms of yourself, but also in terms of the bigger landscape of the business. Because I always looked at it in the beginning as, you know, if you actually looked at the definition of podcasting, I don't know if it's changed. It was digital radio, you know, so it was almost mm -hmm. like on-demand digital radio, radio 2.0, if you will. And now everything mm -hmm. has went to the visuals, as you yes. can see, right? Yep. And that's the shift that I wanted to make. But did you see that shift as well? And where do you see the business going in general? I would say I definitely noticed that shift, man. Just when I started in 17, I mean, you had video podcasts, but I feel like it was a lot less prevalent than it is now, especially yeah. when you look at the what the, the players were doing specifically. Like you were at a Vest Fest and you were talking about, you know, media yeah. and future media. I feel like back then we didn't have players that the players didn't have the same platform they do now. And well, they created but, their own. They did. They, yeah. they paved the way for themselves. And uh, the podcast game in general, I mean, I didn't even start video. I started audio only. So I was on... It's interesting. I feel like people now might have video only. Right, <laughs> yeah. It's like, right? Like, yeah, they might just be on YouTube, YouTube and not yeah. even put it on their, uh, on their audio feeds. Right. And for me, man, I've, I've really shifted my priority as far as, like... I mean, I still do both. Like, in NTC, we still do both. You have to because people consume yeah. that, like, when they're on the move, while they're yeah. exercising, while they're doing other things. It's really important to keep that up. 100%. And... Uh, I found myself, like, we went to Summer League, like, 
my mind automatically went to the video because we had a setup like this. We had the cameras and everything. Yeah, so is like, combo joining in next summer. Combo one hundred percent. Okay, okay, 100%. we're there. Oh, you're already yeah. locked in, man. We okay. got the schedule ready for twenty twenty four. I got uh, I got combo right there in the, right. In the first on slot, top. man. On top. All right, first all slot, right. Man. First slot. <laughs> no, 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 no doubt about that, man. Uh, but yeah, I found myself at summer league. Like my first instinct was to go to YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, was to go to our website and put up the video feed. And then I got back home after it was over, like the following week. And I was like, man, I don't think we're on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all that, uh, all the, those streaming platforms. So I got to make sure we're on there. But my focus has changed over time as far as like what I go to first. Like they're still very important for me and what we do at NTC. But my first focus is to go to the video, to go to YouTube and all that stuff. Because I mean that's what's kind of all the rage these days. That's yeah. what um, the, the the media has that's transitioned what people want to. to. See. Yeah. You got to give the they people the what video. they want to see. Exactly. You got to <laughs> cater to what the people want. Aaron Washington, man, thanks so much for taking the time. You know, in person it hits different, man. This is what it the does. people want to see, and I appreciate you coming here. You know, Atlanta, we're here. But um, for everybody that wants to follow you and everything that you do, where could they find you on social media and everywhere else? Yeah, man, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me on. Uh, us at NTC, we love what you guys do. So the feeling is mutual. Um, love your content. So for us, you can find us at notradeclause.com. That's going to be our website. Uh, you know, Wherever you um, surf the web, you can find us. We have cap sheets. We have, uh, we have draft capital on our website, uh, all that good stuff. So if you're looking for all the information that's over on our site, uh, no trade underscore clause, I believe is our, our social handle. So if you're on Instagram or Twitter, be sure to hit us up on there because we love to do uh, breakdowns. If news comes out about a trade or a signing or something like that, we'll have some insights for you as far as uh, the, how that all breaks down. So we hope you uh, check us out. And uh, yeah, just appreciate the opportunity, man. Glad we got Anytime. to Thanks next. so much for taking the time, yes, man. Sir. appreciate you. Yes, We're out. There it was. Another episode of Combos Court is in the books. Shouts to Aaron. No trade clause for joining in. Hope you enjoyed this one. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. And take a screenshot of this episode. Post it on your IG stories. And tag me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. If you want to see some clips from this episode, follow me on IG. And be on the lookout for episode 504. Combo out.